You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. Journeying within can be a powerful way to begin or continue to heal and grow. If you'd like to explore opportunities to do this with hypnosis, please email me at rebecca.hayden at gmail.com to arrange a free consultation. Or, if you're considering microdosing with the ayahuasca vine, please visit ayahuascamicrodosing.com and use the coupon code TALKS to receive a 10% discount on your order. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Today we have John Folak with us. John is uh, the traveling nobody. This is the name he goes by online. He is a cargo pilot or a former cargo pilot now, a public speaker and author of five books on psychedelic spirituality, including The Psychedelic Hero's Journey of a Traveling Nobody, The Organic Spaceship, Opening the Psychedelic Door, and the forthcoming Unexplored Territory, The Search for Home. So welcome, John. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it seems like we've been on some similar journeys, um, you know, putting out there in different ways, our experiences and things that we've learned. And this seems to be a really important part of of our journey, uh, part of like just being who we are. And, you know, that brings me to uh, want to open up that subject that, um, you know, I think a big part of us changing uh, this life experience is discovering who we are and allowing that to drive our experience rather than uh, outside influences, which has led us in directions that don't always serve us well. Right. I think that probably could be put into something that I think of as almost the abstracted formula that at least I have basically ended up following in my life. It is something along the lines of a, a kind of radical authenticity with yourself allows you the best possible chance to potentially maybe find highest and best use, which I would say is the treasure that all of us are most likely after consciously or unconsciously. And that could simply be defined as the best way for the individual, you, the hero of your life to exist, as well as the best harmonic node to be for, for the collective, for your fellow man. And in order to Absolutely. get it, yeah, in order to get in that, you've just got to be real honest with yourself. Yeah, and and it's a journey, you know, um, doesn't always happen instantaneously. We certainly, the medicines absolutely help us to shift in big ways. And then we have to support that and, um, and understand that, you know, we are coming, you know, we go into this beautiful journey with ayahuasca and other medicines, and then we come back to a life that was shaped very differently. And so there's going to be disruption. <laughs> there's going to be this out of kilter feeling. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it can be a challenge um, because getting back into the rhythm of the life that we built based on something else that wasn't working clearly um, is not the way to go. And changing things is, is going to take time and effort. And, and yeah, the driving force has to be you know, this discovery, this delving within to really understand who we are. And absolutely, I agree. And I've said this so many times that, you know, um, there seems to be this outside view that, you know, of getting along with others and being one of the crowd and all the rest of it. Well, let's take a look at where that's led us, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and and I, I think that we are searching for another way because we see that that hasn't really worked out very well. I mean, there's just this staggering number of, you know, people with, you know, depression, anxiety, PTSD. I mean, we're in trouble. We know this doesn't work. So this is a very different way of being. And, and I think that, you know, it's time for us to, to move in different directions now. Mm -hmm. And it could very well be too, that all of those reasons are what could amalgamate into being the call to adventure. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, it's good to see it that way. I mean, I went through my own journey of depression and um, and and I found myself eventually being grateful for that because that was a very natural reaction to what was happening in my life. It was a very natural, hey, this just isn't working anymore. You know, this was my deeper me saying, I'm shutting down because we can't live this way anymore. This is very good signals we're getting. 
Right. It's the natural feedback that we get based upon what it is that we're bringing to the world. And when something is very far off or awry, we know it in some way, shape or form. It might even be just unconscious. But I think that manifests in at the very least unfulfillment with our lives. And then it could sink into deeper depths of depression, as you were alluding to. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, trusting these things is, is a good thing because it, it helps us not go into the victim state. Um, you know, it helps us to know how powerful we really are and how important it is to pay attention to, you know, to how we are, um, that, that there's wisdom in that. There's deep wisdom in it. Trust ourselves, right? There definitely is. And it has seemed to me that the visionary plant medicines are spiritual aids, supernatural aids within the heroic yep. cycle. So much like any kind of aid, mentor, teacher, guru, the function is to reflect the self back to yourself. And if that takes place, if that happens, I guess the natural outpouring of that would be to actually implement whatever it is that you found in a particular journey within your life, as you were saying, and that often leads to a road of trials in and of itself because it's not going to jive. But it does seem to be geared at finding a more harmonious way to be in the world, or at the very least finding more sustainable pathways to fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, being authenticity and, and discovering who we are and then honoring that in everything that we do if that's the driving force in our experience, we are going to see major change. And this is what people are starting to do. You know, this is what we've seen uh, with plant medicine work. When it works well, when we do the integration and when we're committed to this, this is, this is what's changing the world, you know? Right, right. I've even thought about that as a sort of natural filter that allows only the more productive paths to sort of avail themselves to you and to put something concrete on that. I recall a couple of years ago when I was really in a, a bad spot. I was on the edge of bankruptcy and, and I wasn't working a job at that point that delivered consistent cash flow. So what I was doing was being forced to interview for other jobs in the aviation industry. And I couldn't bring myself to lie in the interview. So of course I wouldn't sit down with the, the interviewers and, and talk about visionary plant medicine. Obviously there's a difference. <laughs> I'd love to see that though. <laughs> that would be so cool. You know, on that note, I have often thought that it would be great to sit down in an interview situation like that and just drop my, my books down and say, this is me. And if you're good with that, we can now move forward. But that's just sort of a anecdotal play I have for myself within my imagination. I don't think that will ever kind of jive. But but the point I was simply making about truth there is when I would sit down with a, a few of the interviewers, and I really needed a job too, so it's yep. not like I wasn't motivated, they would ask about, let's say, my passion for aviation. And it, this would be put in a very concrete question, what kind of plane do you see yourself flying with? And in all honesty, I didn't care then, nor ever, or now. It, it has always just been a way for me along the path to get into the next thing that the journey will present to me. And so anyway, I would say something to that effect. I would say, look, I'm really not certain. But what I know is I, I can do the job. I have the certification necessary. And if you're looking for a long-term sort of passion or commitment to this particular company, I can't give it to you. I'm sorry. And that mm -hmm. often would sort of end the interview. But, of course it would. Yeah, but eventually, you see, what this forced me to do was to basically lean on my connections in life and yes yes and then that actually did end up landing me an aviation job it brought me to austin texas which i think was key of that process and it was sort of the the most necessary thing in my evolutionary path i needed at that time the next big breadcrumb and since living in austin i have just seen that it was necessary to to move here but through the connections i'm meeting the festivals i'm going to and it just seems to be a whole different space which is very conducive to these sort of talks and and basic dialogue yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because these are concrete examples of, you know, the journey we've been on. So just to speak to the interview experience. Oh, my God. So glad you brought that up. So many times in life, you know, I've sat there and I was angry. I was angry because I had to stuff down everything that was real inside of me in interviews and play this role that I hated, you know, and despised. And I despised everybody for forcing me into this. But really, 
I chose to be there, right? And this is what the medicines help us see, that we do make these choices and we can blame it on everybody else if we like, but that doesn't help. That doesn't serve us in the least. When we start to be ourselves like you did and I did, you say, hey, this is what I'm about really then we start to go in the directions we need to go. I did that in an interview, by the way. I talked about plant medicines. There's this massive gap, right, between you know when I worked last, and, it, and I, I was just honest, I said I went through a long depression, I healed from plant medicines, then I went through a long experience, you know, actually healing and taking time out, you know, not rushing back into a job, learning about myself, you know, and, and this is a huge part of my life. And that's why I only was, willing to go part-time and I, I made it very clear about all that you know and I did end up you know he he hired me actually <laughs> and I yeah and I did it for a while and again it was a crumb along the way but you know in the end it, it became so demanding and it was no longer really part-time and it, it 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 ate up so much energy taught me a lot though you know I know there was a reason and I know I needed to learn some things in that job like in those social scenarios where I was starting to go back into old habits of you know not being who I was and because I'm back in a work situation right and there's all kinds of triggers there there's all kinds of patterns that will emerge if you let them right and you have to be you have to really stand up and, and be brave if you're going to be yourself in those situations, you know, and not fall into those habits. Yes, courage is required. And there's something that is noteworthy there in what you were just talking about. These different positions, we're talking about jobs right now, they <laughs> definitely play their place in this long journey, which is mm -hmm. life. And if at least from my angle, I'm very convinced that highest and best uses is your unique thumbprint, your method of expression in the world, which is good for self and collective. If that is real, which I am convinced it is, then it's going to take you quite a while to figure out what that is. And yeah, have, right. And even having figured it out, we could think about these jobs as stepping stones or uh, potentials to understand more about what that highest and best use might be. So it's just necessary within the journey it's not pure absolute fulfillment in and of itself with any given one of these positions but it's working toward a necessary end or something along those lines well yeah i mean for me it was just so fully educational in every conceivable way i mean i was going back into a work situation after having only been learning from plant medicines and not only just in um ceremony but like daily with this ongoing dialogue that, that's happening to me all the time and learning so much about the world, myself and everything, right? And then going back into a work situation and being faced with even as progressive as it was, some very old stories, you know, and seeing what 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 I was doing, how I was responding and and seeing the sickness that that these medicines talk to me about. And this sickness has to do with how we are with one another and that inauthenticity and, and that forced way um, and, and not leaving room for our humanity, not leaving room, you know, for us to be who we are uh, in those scenarios. And it, I, I had to, you know, try my best to be who I was, discover when I, you know, was not because I can't force a whole, you know, company, even a small one. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of go in the path I want them to. But I, I, I was able to speak my truth often enough. And then when I wasn't able to, it was a lesson. It was like, okay, so, you know, what are you going to do about that always, right? Are you going to continue knowing that, you know, this is not, you know, your thing? Or are you going to say thanks for the lessons and move on, right? Right. That becomes clear, I think, on the path. It, and that ties into the idea we were just talking about. It's like, for a certain period of time, any given situation can serve. But then once that time reaches its expiration date, it is ultimately up to us to be real with ourselves about that and say, okay, it is, it's time for the next call to adventure. It's time for another cycle. I simply have to move on to, to be of the most value to, to myself and anyone who comes in contact with me. Because if you're constantly drained and in a position that is just taking more from you than it's replenishing and you're not feeling any kind of value that you're putting forth, or even getting from the situation, how could you possibly expect to be a beacon of value for anyone else? I don't think you can. 
Yeah. So, you know, this is an important point. Like I was exhausted from this job and it was supposed to be part-time. Theoretically, the idea was, okay, since I've been just learning from all of my lovely spiritual allies for years, like I took off like five years to just figure it out, just heal and be and, and come, you know, at this world in a different way to engage, you know, in this world in a different way. And, and I had to, like, I had to add this ongoing voice. It's like, my goodness, <laughs> I can't just walk out and, you know, be normal. I've got to, you know, learn. This is important. It's happening for a reason, right? But eventually comes the point where, yeah, money was low. And I'm like, okay, got to do something. And, and I think it really did serve its purpose. It taught me a lot. And then it got really stressful. And that was like, you know, that was the big you know, unspoken voice saying, get out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, but, 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 because, you know, your, your livelihood is on the line and uh, coronavirus took over and helped out. <laughs> it's like right. booted me out of a place that I, I, I really, you know, wasn't meant to be. And I needed to be forced out because there was that practical side of me that was hanging on for dear life. And you know, the truth is I started doing my my own practice, right? You know, helping people integrate and using hypnosis and it was great. But as you say, I was so drained by this other work that that theoretical idea that on paper looks great was not happening. And I needed to be booted out of that job to really, you know, start to flourish in what I was meant to do. I think that just happens across the board with those of us who are open to experiencing the lessons at hand, even just within life itself and these situations we find ourselves in. It's almost as if the path sort of cul-de-sacs or just generally dead ends in any of those positions. That certainly happened to me with my last pilot job. I was flying mm -hmm. for a cargo company. And exactly as we've been talking about, it served its purpose. It brought me to this location, Austin, Texas, a very magical city. It's a place that I, I really needed to be to evolve in the way that it seems like I have been since being here. But what ended up happening with that job specifically was it just got crazy. I mean, more and more demanding to the point where what actually caused me to leave was to simply hold up in, in either one of my hands or both of them, self-respect on one hand or money on the other and, and stability mm -hmm. of the job. And I could no longer justify the stability or the money as being a reason to sacrifice my self-respect. It was very distinct. And so in that way, that was sort of the higher order principle, self-respect to perhaps authenticity to allow the path to evolve. And then all the while there has to, I guess, also be sort of like a faith that there's benevolence to this process. And if you are open to receive, you shall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the things we have to learn and how we have to learn it. And it can be painful at times. It was frightening for me. I have a son I have to support, you know, yeah. um, I'm glad that there was intervention and I did ask for it. You know, it's like, this is why guidance is important and trusting what happens, even if it seems like things are falling apart. Again, th this is a theme over and over again, this rebirth theme. Um, I had to come to this devastating point of depression before I was ready, you know, to do what I ended up doing with on the healing path. So it, and this theme presents itself over and over. And when things are falling apart, we know this is change. We know something's happening. We know we're being pressured and pushed because we're ready to move on to something else. Right. You know what that that is, I think even the definition of having to face adversity, it is that there is something that we are going to be forced to do because of said obstacle that we would yes. right we wouldn't have otherwise have done and just to put a example on that tying it to, to mother ayahuasca with my second formal mother ayahuasca ceremony i was given a very dark psychedelic hell is the way that i have referred to it and i had never been to a space like that before i did not even know that that existed <laughs> it was probably my time, I guess, to experience that. And there sure. were potentially any number of reasons for that. But the theme tying to what we're talking about was that it was a focused version of the unfulfillment that I was living out with my life. I had literally lost the direction that I, I previously had. I was writing 
my first book and I had completed it, I didn't know what to do next. And I was, I was working a job is very unfulfilling though. And so in this ceremony, I was given this dark space and essentially it was like, look, this is what you're doing to yourself. This is your life. Mm -hmm. If you do not make any necessary changes before that ceremony, I didn't even consciously know that though. You see, so it really did help reflect some of these elements of, of my psyche back to me in a way which was very much of the supernatural aid. I didn't know. Now I came out of it. And of course, you can always refuse that. But over time, I think it becomes that splinter in your mind and you just realize that you, you actually can't refuse it if you're interested in evolving. Yeah, um, I'm so glad you brought that up. These dark spaces, they are important. You know, um, there are people who uh, have not quite entered, you know, the world of plant medicine yet. And they hear stories and there's no context and real deep understanding of them. Right. And even by people who experience them sometimes. So um, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, we can know what another person's experience is about, but we can talk about our own. And I think that's important to do. And and I've had that. I've I've gone into those dark spaces and it's usually you know, at that time when I'm ready to move beyond something that I'm, that, that I'm some way in which I'm getting in my own way. And it was, it was hell like. Um, and when I say that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, people are, you know, conjuring up these ideas of fire and, and devil. No, nothing like that. It was a darkness and an emptiness. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, my intellectualism. I, you know, I think a long time ago, I just leaned so heavily in, in that direction that it became my God, you know, and, and I wanted to use it to, to, to get places in my life, to, to, to get what I wanted out of life. And this ceremony, and it was peyote actually, was just demonstrating me so openly, this is not getting you where you want to go. This is where this is taking you. And it was just dark and empty and cold. And, and it was like, wow okay, gotcha. <laughs> I needed that. I needed to, to, to really be immersed in that, to fully get, you know, what I was doing. That makes perfect sense to me. I think it resonates with a lot of us on this. Sure. The models you were bringing to the table and working with have served you for a certain period of your journey, or they've gotten you thus so far, thus in your, your, cultural progression or whatever, you know, having a job or career, this, that, and the other. But when it comes to start to understand more of yourself and try to figure out more about what, what is the purpose of us being here? What, what can mm-hmm. we do with this experience? It doesn't often fit with that left brain linear mode of thinking, that intellectualism. It's something very different. It seems like an unknowing, and it might be that for, for some of us, myself certainly included, I was simply too hard-headed to ever have come to that on my own. I, I had to be rocked with heartbreak, ensuing depression, and then that, because it involved suffering, forced me to examine some of those models, which simply didn't work. And of course, as we've talked about, the plant medicines helped to illuminate that. And then mm-hmm. from, from there, that I think is the integral process. It is what you end up doing with that. One more note on what you said. I found something very similar when I was in that dark space. There was a point of it, which was essentially void is, is how I've described yes. it. Yeah. And what I was doing is I was throwing these higher order principles at it. What what I just refer to as a higher order principle, such as love and truth. And it was a dialogue, basically, internally, I was saying, love, that, that is real. You can't get a lever under that. Nothing. Well, okay, fine. Surely truth is a constant within the dynamic flux of being, right? Nothing. Complete stonewall. It was as if I was putting a question mark at the end of all of these things that I essentially knew to be valid. But with that motive of thinking, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to suffice. The lesson I eventually came out of it with was something like, look, you're running your ship and this is up to you. If you don't have the confidence in these higher order principles in this case to lead your ship where you you generally want to go, I'm not going to be able to do it for you. That was essentially mm-hmm. kind of what Mother Aya taught me. But the presence of void of the lack of all meaning was absolutely terrifying in that position. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and many of us 
have lived lives like that. It's just that there's so much normalcy associated, you know, with all this busyness of life that we are very engaged on a level where it's almost like we're bamboozled by it and don't realize that that feeling underneath it all, that something's desperately wrong is really, you know, important to listen to. It's like, ah, but on the surface, things look normal. And it's like, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that's the big issue, right? <laughs> I think it is. And, and as we've talked about through, let's say us going through depression, we've had to examine what it was that caused us to step in that hole because you're, you're suffering. So you're left with little other choice. But another idea stems from that, that I think is very true of let's say the modern world and that a lot of people who end up exploring the plant medicines do so for the reasons that, that we started out on that journey for. Sure. But but there's a lot of others too, and myself included at different parts of my journey, that just did so because of curiosity. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I really don't. I think that curiosity actually does stem from what you were just talking about. It could be that we're setting up our lives with cultural values in such a way where we have a stable job, a pension, this, that, and the other, maybe a family, house, white picket fence. And that all looks great on paper. It, we're living out the American dream. But at the same time, it could be that a person has that splinter in their mind or heart and, and just doesn't feel as though they are living out the best version of their being with an unsustainable kind of fulfillment that is is short term it, it doesn't um short term or, or maybe longer term in the sense that you have stability security and so forth but it doesn't really nurture the soul and and i don't think that could be gotten away from and, and to tie it back to curiosity i think the curiosity that a lot of us have is somehow getting into the subconscious and it's highlighting that that we cannot deny that although on paper we've set our lives up in a way that seems relatively well off it is not that way internally and so that might be the cause to investigate the unknown in a, in a very simple way to put it and of course the plant medicines will then show us any number of things that we were probably unaware of yeah um you know, curiosity is, is so important and beautiful. It really is. It's a very natural part of us. It's, it's important in our evolution. Um, and I think we forget that. I think that ego takes over and it's like when we've had some wins or we discover things, then it's suddenly, okay, we know stuff now, you know, and then we teach it for years and years and years. And anybody who tries to explore further and maybe discover something that might undo all of that, it's protected, you know, um, fiercely. <laughs> like, yes. We are not terribly flexible and curiosity allows us, you know, it's, it's a, a beautiful incentive and, and it's always rewarded. Um, you know, in my experience, my, you know, plant allies have always rewarded my curiosity. What they don't like is the questioning that comes from a different place. And that's a similar place that you described in your void where I'm challenging them like a lawyer would, you know, <laughs> I'm going to somehow like outmaneuver them. And it's like, and they laugh. I've, I've actually had a sense of them laughing and it's so important to know how valuable that is because it diffuses everything. All of my, that energy of mine that was put into that, attempt to maneuver that probably I used to survive uh, in my former life that was not very happy, um, dissolved with, with the laughter because it just disarmed me completely and brought me back to that place of joy and love. And, 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 and I was told, and this is like my ongoing dialogue scenarios where I would challenge it because I mean I had it at my disposal the whole time so I believe me I pummeled it with questions I learned about my own nature in this right because your own tendencies and relationships they they play out even with these beautiful voices right anyway and eventually I got this message saying look we will absolutely reward your curiosity this is good but not th not the other you know and then I had to learn what the other was and it was exactly that, uh, what we just discussed, that challenging uh, with no, no, no genuine inspiration behind it. 
Yes, dissolve is an extremely telling word, which certainly resonates on my end. Oftentimes, coming to the plant medicines with a question seems to be met with dissolution. It's just irrelevant in, in many ways, I have found. And that's interesting, too, because it seems to go to the point that, that I think you're making there, which is like nature does respect courage, but also along that route, there is surrender that is necessary. And in that way, you're sort of open and allowing an undoing of these strategies that we have developed for ourselves to work things out in the material world. That can often be used in a way in the world that works but is not of our best use or is obscuring the process from being shown to us from unveiling itself to us because we're just too rigid and i've certainly gone through this at various times in my life even now to some degree being too rigid and so if you do surrender even within a, a plant ceremony or with your life and the more zoomed out picture of the journey now at the very least you're open to finding ways of almost undoing of finding more of a flow which has a natural beat or almost pattern to it and i often liken that to just finding that next breadcrumb for yourself which seemed to be synchronistically perhaps set up by the higher self yeah allowing it to present itself to you and trusting that it will yeah i mean you know we go to these allies for help they're more than willing to do that they point out how we get in our own way and then we have to let our defenses down and say okay show me the way and I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to let that happen and not control it all or decide how that has to unfold. Right, because you don't know. And you might come yes. to one of these things with a forecast, even of something you want to get out of it with your intention, which is not to be thought of as a flawed process. I think intention is very important. I'm sure you would attest to that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, the knowing that that might completely dissolve and you might be given something completely other, which is still in accordance with showing you something that you were unaware of, is usually how it goes in such territory, I have found. So in order to even allow that to develop, it, it is like surrender is the precursor. Without surrender, I'm not so sure that you're going to find value within that process. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all of this stuff is educational, you know. Um, the impression that I got, having lived with this constant presence that continued to guide me, and it did not mean I didn't make mistakes, it just meant I was painfully aware of them at the time, you know, yes. <laughs> and continue to be, but and, and, and learning to be better and better and better about that. But the impression that I got is that we, we really are all children, you know, we're bigger ones. Um, and we've learned to navigate this world that's not always, you know, healthy, um, more than those who haven't been here as long, but it, we're, we're certainly children. And I think that embracing that idea was so helpful for me because when we, I, I think that when we, we use the word adult and we, uh, and grown up and we associate these ideas about it, it's almost as though we believe that we should know everything, you know, and boy, when you have a child, you learn very quickly how little you know. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's like you want to grow, have a child. <laughs> and, uh, and it's good. And then you explore the world with them and discover all that you don't know and discover all that you would never want to present to them in a way that, that you had, had viewed it as this so-called responsible adult. And it does open you up to being able to see things differently. But that heavy, heavy responsibility, we should do everything right and know everything. I mean, it is just so completely misguided and, and, and so devastating. You know, we allow kids to make mistakes. We know they're going to make mistakes. We support them through it. We, we tell them this is how you learn. Well, guess what? Same is true of us. And when people make these big mistakes, you know, instead of like diving on them and, and feeling all these horrible feelings, if we see us all as children, just, you know, finding our way through this life, I think that that softens everything and dissolves all those harsher judgments and allows us to experience it in a very different way. 
the innocence of a child is something truly magnificent. And this harkens back to the New Testament teaching, which I'm just simply paraphrasing, but something along the lines of you shall not know the kingdom of heaven unless you become like a child or childlike. And I think that definitely pertains to what you're talking about there. It is almost as if source is the grand teacher, the grand parents or parent it is singular, which it does kind of seem to be, but in the same way we are the cosmic children, that it is looking after all the while able to make mistakes and what can get in our way and allow us to feel divorced from source, from what really nurtures our being, could be thought of as those structures that we were talking about earlier, which have proven useful in a material way, or simply could be exemplified in the ego. It can certainly stand in the way of feeling cared for and feeling nurtured by the process that is the heroic journey of life. I think that uh, those mechanisms we were talking about or those ways of being that were harmful, it's a lot of posturing, you know? I mean, if you've ever seen a kid um, ape an adult, like pretend to be one, it's very funny to watch. And I think that these allies watch us do that a lot of the time, <laughs> you know, and that's why they laugh. Mm -hmm. They laugh because to them, it's utterly adorable. To us, it's frustrating. We're trying to be taken seriously. And, you know, we're using the tools that we thought were, you know, going to work. And and eventually, they cajole us and support us and and sometimes show us, you know, vivid implications that allow us <laughs> to drop these implements that are no longer working, these tools, and take up new ones. And you do have to have an open curiosity and a willingness to surrender in order to do that. And it's magic when it happens. And, and yeah, that child theme is so helpful. It really is. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself in the world, mm -hmm. surely. And there, there's an archetypal theme to this as well, which is that those who start their journey, any journey, of even simply learning something new, are the fool when they begin. Of course, you don't know anything. But then through that particular journey through evolving in the new information. Now you're essentially evolving to a position of more competence. So this is the, the role of the hero moving from the fool to the master essentially. And that's a whole cycle obviously. But I think there's one other telling theme that definitely gets highlighted in enough of these visionary experiences, which I don't hear talked about a ton and you were just alluding to it. It is humor. It is the- Yeah. Yeah, the cosmic giggle. I've had no shortage of those experiences, too. And off the top of my head, I can't think of a, an extremely telling one or useful one for an example. But it's something along the lines of you realizing the folly of whatever it was that you were so hung up on or thought was so important. And then when your lenses are sort of clarified and you could, you could see a little bit deeper into maybe what is important and you get that value hierarchy structured in a way which seems more in accordance with soul level evolution versus egoic evolution. The natural result is laughter. And one other point on that too, isn't it remarkable that when someone tells a joke, the spontaneous reaction oftentimes, if it is understood, if it truly hits home, is laughter. And this is not only true of, say, a joke, but this can often be true of, of just truth itself. Yeah. Something that is self-evidently true, and, and maybe you haven't seen it, but you hear the answer, and that is the reaction. It could just be laughter. And I think what goes into that is something like, I can't believe I didn't see that. Yeah, I was the fool. So what? Now I see it, and it's okay. Moving on. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to continue um, to be open to uh, laughing at our mistakes and to gently responding in that way, like they do, you know? And, and it's inevitable that we would see them as the parent because of the fact that we learn how much we don't know <laughs> and how much we need to learn and how gentle we need to be with ourselves when we fall down or, you know, make mistakes and that that is the process of learning. That is the essence of learning. So let's get used to being the fool. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that we're not wise. It doesn't mean all of that. It's just that taking ourselves too seriously is just not going to end well. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't. It's not joyful. It is not. It is not a flexible way to be. And when we're learning, we need to be flexible. We really do. We need to know that, you know, we can go. Uh, 
gangbusters in one direction thinking, oh my God, I totally got it. And this is the way I'm going to be and boom, hit a wall and fall down and, and, and laugh at ourselves instead of get all tied up in knots, you know, and then we have more healing to do. Oh, you know, like how silly is that? Yes. Yes. That is so true. There is definitely some evidence to support the fact that you learn most efficiently when an event is paired with positive emotion. And that could just be thought of as an example of, of learning. If, if you're, you're laughing, if it's entertaining, you're much more likely to retain that information and then hopefully even be able to integrate it in that experience versus being caught in a fight versus flight, which I think is sort of where you put yourself when you might step into that trap, which is self-loathing or just beating yourself up. And I've certainly had to be aware of that trap along the way. It keeps you in a... Um, a state of, of simply being more closed. And so if you're attempting to learn, well, it's not most conducive to any kind of learning endeavor if you're, you're closed down. And, it, and as you said, too, it's just a simple vibe thing. I mean, you're just not feeling the kind of curiosity and in the enthusiasm we were talking about earlier when you're beating yourself up because of having made some silly mistake, as opposed to the mode you might apply to that process when you simply say, I am the fool. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to be able to, to learn from that. And all the while, hopefully, have a decent enough time doing it, or at least not putting myself in a position that, that's not going to be able to evolve through the process through unnecessary doubt, insecurity, and self-loathing. Yeah, I mean, well, what we call mistakes are actually lessons, potentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And lessons don't have to be heavy, but uh, they can be all depending on our perception of them, how we respond. Um, you know, I remember one time when I was in ceremony and I was getting frustrated about something that was being demonstrated to me through my experience. And ayahuasca responded with, you want the lesson before it's on the board, on, on the chalkboard. And me experiencing what I was experiencing, was it going on the chalkboard? And it's like, you cannot know it until you experience it and your experiences are the lesson. So get used to it and be okay with it. This is, this is, this is what this life is about. Right. You know, right. some of what it's about, you know? Yes. That definitely harkens back to my mind, at least that you simply don't know what you don't know. And in these experiences, perhaps now you have something to know but you wouldn't have gotten there unless you surrendered to it and allowed it to unveil itself to you. And then from there, yeah, what do you do? I guess that's up to each individual, but that does seem to be a hallmark theme of these plant medicine experiences. Yeah, and just keep going with open curiosity. That's so important. It's like it's like um, the daily version of surrender. <laughs> you know, deep surrender is what we do when we go into these medicine states, when we go into... Um, meditation hopefully um when we sleep um and when we go into hypnosis when we go into altered states and that's why that's where the magic happens and on a daily basis we're not always going to walk around in that state but open curiosity you know certainly can play a helpful role i've discovered that's that's what i can achieve <laughs> you know there are times I need to, you know, do more of the surrender. And I know it because, you know, the tension, your body, everything inside of you is starting to chafe, you know, and then I go, oh, wow, I'm, I got to I got to reverse that by, you know, serious surrender. right? Yes. <laughs> That's how I reverse that, you know, um, but on a daily basis, the kind of mode that I'm encouraged to be in is open curiosity. And that allows me to kind of, you know, take the lessons as they come, not become too attached to anything and and you know just be the observer and 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 treat it all like you know um educational entertainment <laughs> that's a great phrase for the cosmic drama educational entertainment i love <laughs> yeah and one point I think is certainly worth making, too, is that a lot of these, these principles that we've discerned through the use of the plant medicine, such as what we're talking about in theme, surrender, and open curiosity, I love that as well, at least to me, they are self-evident when in the visionary space, a, a lot of the times they are. But then, of course, coming back to the world and plugging into your day-in, day-out life, they can seem to erode over time of you not working with them or integrating them. So I don't know if it is true that you can use the visionary plant medicines or whatever your spiritual discipline is. You can truly get the message and then hang that phone up. 
I'm not of that school of thought. I think that we are very forgetful creatures. And it has seemed, at least to me within my journey, that a constant reminder is basically necessary to reorient, to recalibrate the compasses that are actually going to allow me to navigate through life in a way which is truly geared at more of that soul evolution as opposed to getting that process obscured with those cultural values we were previously referring to. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that, that reconnecting can happen in a number of ways, you know, uh, it can happen through medicine, you know, can, um, continuing journeying with the medicine, but, you know, we can journey in other ways. We can connect in other ways, um, through meditation. I, I use hypnosis as a journeying tool, which makes you go really deep and very purposeful, make spiritual connection. And then, um, you know, form those spiritual allies in such a way where we ask them to to be with us in our lives and to be the guiding force in our lives and to give us reminders and to be aware of them so that, you know, our life becomes the ceremony and and we, we are aware of this as it happens. Uh, we're conscious of it. And, and that does take intention. So getting back to what you said about the importance of intention, which, as you know, you know, we, we put it out there and then the medicines go, yeah, yeah, what you've got to do is this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because and, and it is important to, to form an intention. Absolutely. But you know what? They know where we're at. We, you know, we think these words we form in our mind are important and they are. Our thoughts are very powerful. Um, but we're also opening up to them. Uh, steering us in the direction that they know we want to go because they know that deeper, more authentic, uh, true part of ourselves that we're still just scratching the surface of. And that's what they're going based on, you know. And in the end, uh, one of those, you know, laughing lessons <laughs> where I sensed their giggling at me was, you know, they could see me getting all wrapped up in um, how to put forth my latest intention. I don't know, this was a while ago. Um, and I was getting all caught up in, how do I put this across in a way that I feel good about and da 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 da. And they're like, just give it up. It's all the same, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> they're kind of saying to me, look, it's all the same for you now. You've been working with us so much. We know you so well, you know what road you're on. We know what road you're on, just surrender to us. Yes. And we'll take care of it because you can get all in knots about what you're saying. And the same thing's going to happen anyway. We're on board with you. It's happening. It's okay. You know, it's like, all right, I'm getting too caught up in admin, you know? Yes. I, I had a, a recent experience, which I think basically exemplifies that. And it was that I took a, a formal vision quest from, for myself. I simply went out to the desert here in Texas, western Texas, and I took four days and nights to immerse in nature and solitude. And I was there. So I guess in some way that was the intent. And more specifically, this was something I received through a meditation. It was telling me, go do this. And so I did. The intention was, if I were to put a phrase on it, to merge with source. And I think what we're both talking about here is, yes, there is value in intention, obviously. And I really learned that in that particular vision quest. But it can be very loose. And oftentimes, maybe even should be. It doesn't have to be an exact plan of action of every single thing you're going to do. Maybe just taking that call and, and then putting yourself in the environment that was intelligent nature there by myself. I really was able to see that any kind of agenda I would have brought to the table would certainly not have been as fulfilling as what I actually experienced was. And in short, all that I'm describing is I went out there and I didn't have a day-to-day -day plan, nothing of the sort. Of course, I came prepared to survive. So I had food and, and camping equipment and all of the essentials you would need, obviously. But outside of that, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I suppose there was just a fear of sitting with myself for four days and nights and all of that anxiousness because I had never done anything of that nature before. But there was a trust. There was an, in, an implicit trust in the intelligent process there. There had to be. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. And then what I discovered is there were no shortage of trials and tribulations throughout the time I spent there. But I was always given 
a resource that seemed ready and available when that challenge presented itself. And I suppose the underlying theme that began to emerge was whatever it is that we think that we are as a reflection of the intelligent process is just that, a reflection of the intelligent process. And of course, when you're spending time alone, and, and then I, I did eventually pair it up with the use of, of the mushroom, I was given in a very focused way, you just are the intelligent process. I am that. I am that I am that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that was essentially what emerged. And the, the main point I was just trying to make there was it didn't come from my egoic structure of planning A to B to C, nothing of the sort. It was totally other than that, but yet fulfilled me in a very deep way. Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. Like uh, uh, that was valuable to discover that and, and then carry it with you is 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 the challenge is to continue um, to be of that mind and understanding that every, you know, everything you encounter in life is part of that, you know, that there is an intelligence, as you call it, behind that. There's intention behind it. There, It's a responsive experience from the earliest uh, times of my connection with these allies they're constantly teaching me of the responsiveness of our experience here. So, and we've heard it many times, what you put out there, you get back at it. And there may be crude understandings of it, but it is sophisticated. It is organic. It is beautiful. It is harrowing. It is challenging. <laughs> it is loving. It is brilliant. It is sometimes beyond our comprehension. But, you know, this is where faith comes in and trust and intention. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny that you hit on those exact words, faith, trust, and intention. The two of them, the front and back end, faith and intention, were specifically delivered to me in my last day there. I was called to use a mushroom, and so I did so in, in the desert in my tent there in the middle of the day. And I, I sat with it in a meditative sort of pose, at least for the first three hours at least. So I was doing the inner work there. And what I came to, to understand was that faith was essentially a flip-flop term with a knowing. And this really rocked my, my world. And then it led me to think about some New Testament passages as well. And the one I'm just roughly paraphrasing is, it's literate throughout there, but when Jesus said something like, have the faith that the mountain will move and it shall move. I, I don't think that that is a interchangeable term with belief, meaning that you throw your hands up in the air and you have some kind of far-fledged hope that it might work. I don't think that's what faith was describing there. And, and the mushroom was teaching me that, no, it's not like that. It is more consistent with if you have a knowing of the, the coherent structure that is the nature of reality, you will now be able to generate a kind of result that you kind of desire. So for example, in, in concrete terms, there I was, right? Sitting there in the, the desert, middle of the day, very hot in a tent. And a breeze came through every so often. So I thought, well, that's nice, that feels good. How about a little bit more of that? And I was just internally sort of in this line of, of asking, of prayer. And then it, it kind of seemed to come in proportion to my question where I was really scratching my head. I thought, wow, that, that's something. And then I, I realized that even thinking in language, which I still was, I was still just internally talking, and applying even concept to the whole process, it was just sort of muddling the whole thing. And, and the more efficient way to go was to sim simply press my willpower of intent, meaning breeze in this case, and then if that can be done in a focused enough way, the idea was that it shall be generated through your knowing, through your faith. So that was really something to, to think about. And it, it left me then thinking too afterward, I don't have the willpower of a prophet. I certainly don't claim that. I'm just some dude. That's all I am who's explored these things. It didn't seem crazy in that space I was in to imagine that if you spent 40 days and nights out there that you'd be able to regularly bend the laws of physics, but that's sort of a tangent point. I think the more practical rubber meets the road point here is 
we're always doing this in our lives. We're always imprinting our energetic signature upon the, the grid work of reality, if you will. And then we get feedback from the system that is our social connections, that is our environment, that is our life situations. And from there, we can work with it, of course, to, to find what it is that is more fulfilling to the individual and hopefully to others within our lives. And if there is any task to be in, invested in, I think it is the growth-centric task that is just that, to figuring out how to most effectively be in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to go back to where you started to talk about power and discovering it and using it. And then you dialed it back. I'm just some dude. You know what? I think that we're all so exceptionally powerful. And coming to terms with that is really important. It is not about ego. It's about understanding what is. Problem is, we're often using our power against ourselves. It is not about ego and it's not about what you force on others. True power is understanding your impact in this world and that it does exist and just intentionally connecting with it and starting to, you know, move with it in, in a more harmonic way, in a way that is in line with who we really are, in line with love. Yes, yes. And this could be thought of as getting out of your own way, I suppose. And just to be transparent about that, I'm really right now having to deal with that. I, I've been given any number of opportunities to say that a very rigid structure that I'm attempting to say apply to what I think the task is at hand with my life is basically doing what we talked about before. It's not allowing the process to unveil itself to me. It's, it's quite the opposite of what I was describing and in going into that visionary quest and being very open to what would avail itself. I, I think in many ways right now I'm, I'm sort of divorced from that process, but I'm trying to open up to it in a more zoomed out way just within life. And I loved what you said previously about the ceremony being life. That pairs mm -hmm. extraordinarily nicely with my take on all of this, which is that it is something of, of a journey, that life is something like the classroom of consciousness that we are all embodied within. And in this classroom, we can do what you do in a classroom. You can learn. And I, and then going into that, this also came from that last vision quest, it seemed as though the most strategic ways to learn the fundamentals was to embody those higher order principles. So for example, love, and, and what does that mean? Well, it's a very ambiguous term, of course. It could be likened to, to God in many ways, to source. And of course, many of us in these spaces will, will make that connection without a problem. But what that really means to me, love, is a sort of evolutionary propulsive growth. That thing that keeps you going on the journey when you are getting rocked. It's that trust, to get back to the other word you used there, which was very key. A trust in the benevolence of the process, which is to say that there is something there, something transcendent, that will allow you to step into its love, its presence. And Again, going into that, it, there is trust, but then I think even an extension of that, once you've, you've been in such spaces enough, is faith, but meaning like a knowing, you know, that you actually know that does exist. So no longer is there a belief that need be interjected, but there is an actual knowledge of the process, and you, you've just seen it enough that it's, it's self-evident truth. You know, I recognize myself in you in some ways. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, and I think that, um, you know, what I've discovered is that we try to think our way through a lot of this stuff. And what we need to do is to feel our way through. And that's something that, uh, depending on our own individual path and background, like can be painful, right? And then so we feel that pain and we work through that. And we strengthen that that feeling part of ourselves to the point where it's safe to feel our way. There, That knowing that you describe, there is an emotional knowing that is so superior to everything else that we can come up with. This brain of ours, it's a tool and we use it and we can use it. We do use it, but we often let it, you know, kind of lead us around and lead us a merry dance, especially when we, you know, um, focus too much on, on everything around us and not bringing ourselves back to where we're at and who we are. 
and a big part of who we are is that that feeling part that sensing part that more feminine aspect of ourselves and i i spoke about this uh, we had a good discussion a couple of episodes ago about the feminine and masculine and it's not about men and women it's about those parts of ourselves um and we um, as a collective, have been favoring the masculine in ourselves, all of us, to our own detriment. Um, it's it's beautiful and it can be wonderful, but it's utterly out of balance when we don't complement it with that feminine part. And even women who have strived to be uh, seen and heard in in a male-oriented world have you know, done this to ourselves as well. You know, leaned into that masculine, those masculine qualities, and forgot about those those feminine qualities and i think that we do have to you know to to balance it out by embracing those feelings and trusting them you know you can intellectualize what's happening in a scenario um but there's a part of you that feels the truth of it and doesn't have to explain a thing and moves out of harm's way you know (laughs) it's very elegant and beautiful and natural (laughs) And we can get in the way of that, the ego. Yes, yes. We can think, we can start to go, but, 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 and, and, you know, suddenly there's a whole court case about it. And it's like, wait a minute, we know this, we feel it, trust and do it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I have certainly found that the plant medicine journey for me has been very much integrating the feminine. Absolutely. And I would say that just takes form with being more willing to talk about my feelings. I I recently, on the last conversation I had with my mom, and I do not do this too terribly often, I must say, but I wanted to announce to her that I I love her. And I I told her that in those words. But it was funny, immediately after I said that, you know what I did? I felt the need to validate it with an explanation. Like, as if if my mother needs. Let me give you some talking points on that now. And I I did. I gave her this this whole thing. And I mean, she listened, of course, in in compassion and such. She was very open. But I don't think I needed to say any of that. It was just the vibe that I put forth. In fact, that's what she told me. She said, thank you. Of course, I appreciate that. But you know what? She was talking to me. She says, it is the vibe that we have between us. And we have a very good relationship. So, of course, that is the manifestation of the feminine in my life that, that brought me into the world, clearly my mother. And she was essentially highlighting the same point that you're making, which I think for me in the life journey right now is, is something key to be more aware of and to integrate. To feel. Yes. And to allow those feelings to surface and to be with them. Um, yeah, we, we tend to intellectualize too much and we're rewarded for that in this society. I mean, there, there are reasons for it, but um, again, we can see where that's led us. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying there's, 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 you know, we, we leave that alone at all completely. There is a place for it and it can be beautiful. And we know that, um, but it is out of whack without, without that feeling. And I think that those of us who've become imbalanced in that direction need to really lean into the feeling part and just be it. So getting back to this whole reality thing, and uh, because, I mean, this was my very first question for ayahuasca. Uh, in fact, it was very funny because she, she, uh, <laughs> I very quickly learned that I, I could nothing could get past her. Um, I wrote down all of these nice sounding intentions and tried to like try them on. But in my mind, while I was writing them down, like weeks before I actually went into ceremony, my real question was, can I, de- can I, you know, understand the nature of reality through these experiences? So this is what she responded to, not anything that I wrote down. You know, she responded to what was what was true. I was truly wanting to know. And she said, reality is flexible. And she said, your reality is due to your state. And so the reason I was thinking about this is things you mentioned earlier about, you know, our reality and also our state. Now, our emotional state and, and those higher order principles you, you mentioned you know, when we're in a state of love, everything flows really well. We know this. We've been in love. And suddenly, oh, my God, things just flow to you. That's why everybody wants to do it again, thinking that that's, that's the thing. Oh, we get the right partner. Everything's going to happen. It's like, no, we're in a state of love temporarily, right? If we achieve that on our own, if we achieve that as a, a way of life, 
this is what they're leading us to. And they're constantly putting us to and constantly educating us how we underestimate love and how we don't see the power of it. But we've experienced it. We know this. <laughs> we experience it in medicines again. And this is the importance of these emotions, of the state of being. And, and, there's, and everything flows from that. That is the only truth. That is very good. And that comes back to a phrase you used earlier, which I really like because I think it is a mechanism we could use in a tool like fashion, open curiosity, to allow us to recognize what potentially is always there for us, which again is to stand outside the ego and say there, there is that presence to be in touch with, which is maybe available in an omnipresent way and to the degree, degree that we're divorced from it is simply a function of us not recognizing it and again i think these are are ways to get into that that feeling that presence which is simply to embrace more of what we're kind of talking about the feminine i recently was talking to someone who was in a 12-step program and interestingly enough of course he got there because he went through the dark night of the soul he started to tell me that he felt it was a process of essentially feminizing. He was telling me his, his taste in movies changed. And I've seen this with other people as well, where they might get interested in a musical instrument, a male, that is, after a whole life of not doing that. Yeah. It was more of the feminine. I certainly have realized that within myself. It's just uh, allowing that to emerge, to, to potentially be in touch with these these modes of meaning in the world, and then express that through feeling so for example before we talked today i watched an inspirational video on youtube and, and cried and that's not rare it's something that I, I touch on often try to even consciously and it has to do with what you're talking about i think it has to do with your state and then sort of attuning to that love vibe if such a thing can happen and i would say it can it is just up to us to figure it out yeah you know when we ask these medicines to teach us about about truth or what is the truth, what is real. And this is really what they're trying to bring us to is that state of love. And the tears are shedding those things that are in the way of it, letting go of the wounds. And that's why healing is important. Um, but, you know, and admitting and understanding that we're not in healthy states and that we, we can be, you know, it is a good step and starting to open up to shedding that however it happens and to, you know, to feeling and, and yeah, that creativity is wonderful. There's love in that, right? The love of music, the love. This is what I mean by embodying love is, is doing what we love, you know, being in that loving state, we need to nurture it. And believe me, I understand how much of, you know, how I was, you know, influenced in life that went strictly against all of this. And that's the challenge in that we have to, um, to let that go and, and to start to explore what it's like to, you know, to truly engage in a, in a creative, loving way and let those things happen and not stand in the way by saying that can't because I got to do this kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the divine impulse of creativity, that has to do with everything we're talking about it's allowing that to sort of express itself through you in whatever way yeah. it can and i think that that's the thing that's unique for each and every person whatever your art or your message might be the best way to be for yourself and fellow man or something like that it is seemingly just allowing yourself to act as a medium or channel for that creative divine love energy to sort of flow through you and that is a process of distinction it is not to be I think in a unified, plain vanilla state, I think it's quite the opposite of that. It takes on a real diversity, but that's part of the magic that is the tapestry of life. And it, oddly enough, seems to have to do with just what we've been saying, getting out of your way, allowing it to happen, and then having the faith and trust that that process will deliver what it needs, not only for you, but again, for the collective. Oh, yeah. You know, each of us are very beautifully unique, and that needs to be honored and, and respected and explored and discovered and expressed for sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this discussion today. It was wonderful. Um, I knew it would be. <laughs> so uh, how about you share um, a way for people to contact you if they would like to? Sure. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca. This was truly a heartwarming conversation. I find that many of them are when we're genuinely comparing notes in this space, but particularly this one was. So thank you for your time. And I could be found at travelingnobody.net. That is my website. It links to all social media. And 
it'll also link to Amazon for the books that I have out, which are available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible, as well as a new podcast that we'll link up to, which is Traveling No Buddies, available on all the podcast platforms. And it's essentially the same thing, to sit down as travelers and compare notes, travelingnobody.net. Okay, thank you, and take care. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Please visit RebeccaHayden.com for more ayahuasca integration content and for information about working with me and using hypnosis as an empowering integration tool.